You're listening to the Fantasy Football Astronauts. Everybody always has their favorite landing spot when the draft comes out. And that's what we're here to do today. Right now on the Fantasy Football Astronauts podcast, my name is Daniel Harms, your host. You can find me on Twitter at InHarmsWay19. Apologies about the voice. My allergies in Missouri are not cooperating with me. So we'll see how this goes through the rest of the podcast here. But we have our fearless leader here from the Fantasy Football Astronauts, Jetpack Galileo. You can find him on Twitter at Jetpack Galileo. Funny enough how that works. How are you doing, man? It's good. It's good to be back. Uh, excited to finally get to review the draft. Um, and yeah, I, mean, I think in general, the overall theme was uh, just a disappointment. Everybody's like, hey, I have made all these investments in this year and right. now everything's very mid. <laughs> so it's funny. We can just run through each of those and, and uh, yeah. It's about. it's funny. You go back to 2022. Like we were all thinking, like, hey, 23 is going to be great for the quarterback yeah. season, and then everyone gets there and it's like, can we go to 2024? Like we don't want to be here anymore. We, yeah. we want to move on. We want to talk about 24 class because you know that's stacked and that's how it's always going to be. So it's it's always fun to to reflect through that and see what people think from last year and how it it goes into this year. And I, I feel like this is a, a a topic to talk about with the times right now. Uh, what do you think that chat GPT thinks about the draft? Like the, if you were to be an AI, which essentially you are being as old as you are and, and having all the knowledge that you, that you have, you can accumulate all of this. And what would you think of the draft and what their favorite landing spot is? Uh, well, yeah, that's a good, I think on the surface level, they would probably like Super Bowl winning teams. Uh, yeah. Which I do too, of course. So they'd probably <laughs> run through, like the playoff teams and then prioritize those. So like your Rishi Rice or your Dalton Kincaid's probably ended up in, in good spots from a like chat, chat GPT standpoint. It's been interesting, like kind of every once in a while, I'll just like push a fantasy question over to them. Yeah. So, and uh, it's, yeah, it's interesting. They love Traylon Burks. So. Oh, they do. That's, they that's do. not even close to surprising, honestly. Like, no, that, yeah. The, yeah. Most, the yeah. most basic, hey, he was made in a lab, right? That means he's the computer answer. Like, he's yes, just, right. he's good with the ball in his hands. He's got to be a good fantasy player. <clears throat> that's funny. I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely with the times right now trying to figure out the best way to maybe use some of this technology. And I, I do I do find that every once in a while I'll, I'll go in there and I'll ask it something. I'm just like, this doesn't make any sense to me and i'll just leave uh but go ahead and let's talk a little bit about the draft guide because i think that this is what three out of three years where we've been the best at doing this and constantly putting the best prospects out there with the fat the film grades the draft grades and everything like that so let's talk a little bit about the guide yeah so well so i would say all our film grading um for except with the exception of maybe like two or three prospects is done pre-draft and so um, you're getting our look uh, at basically at the same equivalent level of what an NFL scout is going to do. Um, and then the NFL the draft, the way that that plays out, you kind of get context for how similar uh, we're viewing prospects compared to the NFL. And it ends up being pretty good. For, so for the most part, um, I'm pretty confident in that relationship. Um, you do want some discrepancy, um, but mm-hmm. for the most part, if you're pretty close as far as, hey, I evaluated this player as a day one guy, and he went on day one, then, hey, I'm checking I'm checking the right boxes there as far as my evaluation. Um, and so, yeah, this year I would say both you and I did 
did pretty well. Do you want to talk about which position you felt most confident in or, or how did that go for you? So my film grades ended up being a little bit different than my actual like big board because I did a big yeah. board for NFL 33 like I do. And when you have the film grades, they, they always take into account nothing outside of film. So like, you, for example, like I've got <clears throat> a day two grade on Keishon Butte. Obviously, he went in the sixth round which he was more of a fourth, fifth round pick for me on my big board <clears throat> because of his off the field issues, concerns with his entire off season, everything that was handled. So we also have a little bit of a grain of salt with some of the film grades because they always, they don't always translate into what we think. So I, I'm always a big uh, wide receiver guy. Like I feel like my wide receiver grades typically end up being pretty relatable and especially in terms of like where they're being drafted and how they're being drafted in that case so you know we grade better than the nfl does so um that's been talked about a lot previously um but like an nfl draft pick uh the correlation to fantasy success for just a, the nfl draft pick of a receiver is 0 0.6 and so that is you can put that on like a, a scale of 1.0 or 60 percent is what you could put that uh in line with and our film grade, the correlation is six, uh, 0.66, so 66% or however you want to fill that out. But just in terms of are we able to identify the talent of a player that reflects their on-field productivity uh, in a comparable way to the NFL draft? The answer to that is yes. And at least with receivers, the answer is that not only yes, but we're better than the NFL. Um, and so you can say, well, that 6% doesn't really matter, this or that, or that's going to change as you get your sample size bigger. Um First, I would say that the sample size is the same when we're comparing, like, you know, comparing the five years. So in the five years, we've outperformed them. Um, but also that you can combine those things, right? The value is, hey, I take yeah. my perspective and then I take what's going on in the NFL with the NFL, NFL draft. There's other factors besides just the film grade, just like you're talking about. The NFL draft is going to take into factors like injury and take into factors like the off-field stuff. And then they're going to add elements of, well, the team has invested this much into a player, and so they're going to try to get him on the field. And so we definitely include that draft capital um, as part of our evaluation, but we use our film grade as like our anchor for who the player is. Um, and so when we do that, I feel like I get an even better handle on how to do my post-draft grades. Um, and so the way that it all comes together, it's not necessarily about, oh, I'm beating the NFL in every position at every category, but how do we fit all these pieces together? And that's what the rookie guide is all about. So we've got the film grade. That's our pre-draft uh, notes on who a player is on field. We've got the analytical grades, which is factors in draft capital, but then also has to do with the statistical productivity. So what did he produce on field in college? And then we have a landing spot grade and an injury modifier. And so the, the last two, those come into the rookie guide and they provide elements of the, I think the biggest change post-draft ends up because we're so good with our film grade ends up being the landing spot stuff rather yeah. than the draft capital. Um, and so with that landing spot information, um, that's a modifier for me on who the player is. So I can have a good idea of what a guy is going to be analytically. I can have a good idea of what a guy is uh, in terms of his on-field play, but his path to volume is what I'm looking for with the landing spot grade. And I would mm -hmm. argue that it's often underrated and overlooked because dynasty players will look at a player and they'll say, well, okay, you know, like, um, when AJ Brown came out, he had a bad, people didn't th like the landing spot going to Tennessee Titans yeah. and he outperformed that. So because he outperformed that, 
Uh, and like an example, Jalen Rager had a really great landing spot and he didn't perform well because like those things happen, then the landing spot doesn't matter. And I think that the reality is that landing spot is one of the more critical things that you can do and use, but it ends up fitting into uh, like redraft rankings so much that it's not as big of a deal. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, because when you, as soon as you get into doing projections, you have to go, Oh my, wait, hold on. Right. Zach yeah. Charbonnet is, is in a committee, right? It doesn't matter that I really liked the film or that he had great stats. He's in a committee. And so I have to treat him like he's in a committee. And so he's automatically going to get bumped down regardless of, you know, you, and you can say, Oh, that's the landing spot, this or that. But when you do your projections there, there's no mercy. You have to, you have to bump them down. Um, so that's what we're doing with the landing spot grade. We're just separating it essentially and giving it a name. And that way you have um, something to point to where you can say, Oh, okay, well, this is what differentiated him. It was the landing spot versus, uh, well, he had good film, you know, and all that. So being able to separate those grades out, I think is really important because then you get an mm-hmm. idea of how to start to weight those things. And then it makes your end process better. So again, three things, film grade, the analytical grade, the landing spot grade, the way that those come together, that forms kind of the basis of what we're identifying in a prospect. Um, and so, yeah, that, that's the, the rookie guide in a encapsulated. Yeah, I think that's a, you know, a great way to go about it, especially considering how many things go into the draft and, and prospects and all their entire process through this whole thing too. And landing spot can often be contrived differently. You can make anything look the way you want it to. If you look and squint hard enough that kind of tends to happen sometimes so let's talk a little bit about some of these landing spots some of our favorite landing spots specifically at quarterback i know you've got one penciled in on the document so let's go ahead and hear what you got to say on anthony richardson yeah so uh as far as going to the indianapolis colts i think that was clearly the best of the options um, yeah. for all that all the quarterbacks went to. Um, so our landing spot grade is broken into pieces. So you have the opportunity, right? So all th- three of the quarterbacks in the first round, they all have great opportunity. They're going to be the guy. Um, the second thing would be the weapons. Who are they throwing to? The Colts mm-hmm. clearly have the best weapons. Uh, and then the, the third would be the offensive line. What's the strength of the offensive line? I think the Texans have a good, strong offensive line. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the Colts have typically been better over the past few years. So um, the Colts graded out well there, especially in the run game, which is going to fit him well. And then the last would be scheme fit and what you think about the coaching staff and all that. So um, because they have Shane Steichen, uh, mm-hmm. the um, Eagles offensive coordinator from last year, I think this is a, just a huge win for Anthony Richardson because of his experience with Jalen Hurts, um, seeing how he had progressed, how they utilized him in, in a way that he could grow efficiently. Um that was that's the most impressive thing, and so I think that this fit is so perfect for Anthony Richardson, and that if you were going to pick one place for him to go, it would be the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, it was really kind of a win-win for everybody. Offense, you know, offense coordinator mind with head coach, quarterback system, all that fun stuff. The run game is also going to help him get on the same page with everybody. So I'm with you there. I actually like, funny enough, I like Will Levis's landing spot, which is a little weird to say, but. I think Will Levis's game mat- mat- matches up really well with Ryan Tannehill. He's not going to be the best guy that can get outside the pocket and run, even though he kind of fits that mold in college. Ryan Tannehill is more of a, if I have to run, I will run, okay? But he's not someone who's going to continuously do, you know, what Anthony Richardson's going to do and what I think C.J. Stroud can do. So we're going to get to that point. But it's all about developing. They don't have the best roster. They don't have the best weapons. 
They, they're trying. They're trying to get Traylon Burks to be that guy that A.J. Brown was. But we know that's not how that's going to work because they're completely different players. And A.J. Brown, the physical specimen that he is, he's able to create separation over the middle of the field. I don't know if Traylon Burks can be able to do that um, consistently throughout his career. Rot running is going to be his, his big bugaboo. But you have uh, the same physical type of quarterback. Obviously, I think Will Levis is a bit more of a you know a physical specimen than Ryan Tannehill. It was obviously a former wide receiver when he was playing in college. But uh, Will Levis, uh, I think that that's a good spot for him because they're going to do everything based off of the run game. Their offensive line should be decently getting in the right position. They were not good <laughs> last year. They've been better in the past at manufacturing all of that um, play action game. And that's what Will Levis needs. He's going to need more of a very simplified offense that doesn't make him do too much thinking. Cause I don't think he can process as well as a lot of these other quarterbacks in this class, but landing spot wise, I think at least for this season, learning from a guy who is going to be doing the same stuff. They, I think that Will Levis can do in the NFL makes a big difference for him. Yeah. I, um, he, so as far as the grade goes, he's our lowest grade. Mm -hmm. um regarding the landing spot but what you're saying as far as team fit i think it's it's great i mean basically and the part of the problem with drafting him is you're hoping that he turns into ryan Tannehill. yeah that's exactly what you're hoping it's like well you know we already have ryan Tannehill. he's not that old but um yeah i mean i think it's a good a good fit overall um i really liked uh the lions fit too with yeah hooker i think that's a good spot for him they have a ton of weapons and strong offensive line, and that's an easy plug-in play. And um, we saw Jared Goff have a lot of success, um, and you know most people don't think very much of that. Uh, <laughs> and so a guy like Hooker getting that opportunity with those weapons, I think that'll uh, be something worth checking into um, a couple of years from now. So definitely yeah, my, not happening this year. But now my, my one issue with that is that Ben Johnson probably isn't there next year. Like I think Ben Johnson's yeah, gone after this year. That's a good point. Um, and when you have this dynamic between, you know, I think Jared Goff is a a good bridge quarterback. He did that last year where he yeah. showed you know, that he can operate this offense and you're hoping that he passes it off to Hendon Hooker. But if you're going through not just quarterback change, maybe midway through this season, and then you're going through an offense change next year, because whoever is going to take Ben Johnson's place is not going to run the same thing Ben Johnson's doing. And also we know that as much as – their head coach, you know, Dan Campbell was able to learn from Sean Payton. He's not running the offense. He called plays two years ago. We saw how that worked out for their offense. So <laughs> I have some some questions about what Hooker's going to be doing at when he gets playing. I think he needs to play this year at some point mm-hmm. to uh, get him ready to go. Because, again, if you go through quarterback change, offensive coordinator change, you're going to have some issues with that dynamic. So I'm a little worried about that myself. But in the running back department, there's a few, a few, there's a few fun spots uh, for running back. And there's also some real, I'm things that make me physically mad that that happen with some of these guys. Uh, Go ahead and give me one of the the landing spots that you really like for some of these running backs. Well, uh, Bijan, I think is a great spot. And I think Gibbs is also a great spot, but my favorite spot is Devonna Kane or H really. Um, yeah, I just think that's very natural fit for him. So, 
Um, speed, 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 speed. Yeah, yeah. Just checks. I think just checks all the boxes for them uh, as far as what they want to deploy. Um, mm-hmm. and so he'll have a role, um, and I figure most of it will get hurt pretty soon. So. And Jeff Wilson Jr. Yeah. And Dalvin Cook when he eventually gets cut and then signs. Yeah, with the I, can't, I, I can't. So that's one thing that always will will <laughs> always give me by surprise is cutting a star player. It doesn't make any sense to me. You have a team that's competitive. You just want fourteen yeah, and two know. or whatever. You can't. You can't just be like, yeah, we need to save nine million dollars. <laughs> that's, that's nothing. You're not going to replace him with anybody. That's I mean, not, did I'm you not see talking about Arthur Madison. Him? I'm talking about like if you if you. Replace Dalvin Cook. What are you going to do with nine million dollars? Are you going to get like the twelfth best cornerback available in free agency? You just met like everybody's gone. Like, what are you going to do with that money? I think it's more about because you can carry that over the next year. Like, you can carry that over. Uh, yeah, but this you is, your team's good ish now. <laughs> good. So, right, I was like, okay, glad you put the ish there because they're not that good. I think well, we saw uh, that last year. Um, but yeah, they 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 sneakily put Alexander Madison in there team photo up on their page you know we all saw that i don't know how these people like monitor this like right, they yeah. just sit there and they wait for things to change on twitter and they just they put it out there it's like well whatever fine but no i get i get Devin, a chain speed 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 just get him the ball let him run and, and that's what they want to do in miami they just want to get the ball out of two his hands as fast as possible so he's not taking hits and that's one thing you can do um i actually like eric gray to the giants i think eric gray is a good complimentary back to um to you know to, to uh saquon he's he's not the the biggest physical guy he's not the, the fastest guy either but he's good and methodical and he can catch the ball he can pass protect so i think that there are some, some, some things like there i think my favorite my favorite like l- uh, underrated landing spots tank biz tank bigsby mm-hmm. to to the the jaguars because we we know we know that chin is not the uh the guy that everyone wants him to be in the fantasy community he's just not and he was not getting the target volume everyone expected last year right. he wasn't getting carries inside the 10 and the ones that he was getting carries he wasn't doing very well with them same with inside the 20 he was not a very productive running back scoring touchdowns in the red zone one thing that i think tank bigsby is going to come in and do He's gonna get that vertical running game that and that the uh ver, yeah I was right I was right the vertical running yeah. game no north and south getting that in the red zone with a better offensive line he's gonna come and actually have a very good standalone value as a rookie not necessarily as a uh, you know an RB two or something like that but he probably be finishing closer to an RB three RB four in fantasy but he's got some standalone value especially for a a red zone back that can pass protect and catch the football. I think he's a pretty good pass catcher as well. So Tank Bigsby is one of my one of my favorite landing spots. Yeah, do you think he'll win the third down roll over ETN? <clears throat> I don't know if you'll you'll have a quote unquote winner. I think sure, you'll see yeah. both of them do it. Um but in terms of who's gonna protect Trevor Lawrence more, it's gonna be Tank Bigsby. Hey I yeah I mean that's huge. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something that I think people, most people undervalue. Like last year in the, in Kansas City, Jerick McKinnon was the third down back over Isaiah Pacheco because they couldn't trust Isaiah Pacheco to protect Patrick Mahomes. It doesn't matter if you can catch the football. What you need to be able to do is catch the football, but also protect your quarterback if they're going to blitz. If they can't, if they can't trust you to do that, then what use are your hands if they're going to blitz? Like you don't. It, there's no use there. So Jerick McKinnon was getting tons and tons of pass catching volume 
because they could trust him to do that. And I think that could also feed into more value for a guy like Tank Bigsby. And I think my last favorite landing spot is Kendrick Miller to the Saints because, I mean, uh, Alvin Kamara, who knows what's going to happen with Alvin. And I don't know if he's going to be there long-term anyway. And Kendrick Miller comes in as a guy who tough, can pass protect, he can catch the football. Wasn't asked to do it a ton in at, at TCU. They had their other backup, more of their third down back, who was also drafted last year. I forget the name's escaping me. Um, I can actually pull it up here, I think, unless he didn't get drafted. Oh, he did not get drafted. Never mind. Um, but uh yeah, so he was he was there, so he was their third down back. And and I do think that Kendra Miller can do some of those things as well. But if you don't have Alvin Kamara there, can Kendra can come in and kind of be that, that workhorse for you. Yeah, I think Kamara will be around one more year. His contract is is definitely saying we're going to cut you after this year. Yeah, yeah, for sure. They're um, so a good amount of money in 2024. Um, so, yeah, as far as planning that out, uh, so here's here's the question is, how far down do you bump Charbonnet in relationship to one of the other guys that we mentioned? Um, well, that's the that's the tough spot um, because you have what two guys in this draft class at running back that are going to be probably feature backs and Bijan and Jameer Gibbs. Everybody else is in a, a timeshare. Everybody except for maybe Kendra Miller. So I think you can argue Kendra would be the third guy in this draft class if he's getting granted. You have to wait for what's going to happen with Alvin Kamara. We, what is the suspension coming down? Is he going to oh, be? Oh, I forgot know, about that. Yeah, like is he going to play because of the suspension? <laughs> so if if Alvin Jeez. Kamara gets suspended, I'm bumping Kendrick Miller up to RB three in this class. I'm oh, going to yeah. do it because that's what he's going to get that workhorse role. So I think that you can have you have to look at a guy like I don't even think there's anybody else on this you know, that was drafted that I would put put there. So Rams maybe with Zach Evans, you have him in the top five based off of landing spot alone, because you, you figure he might be RB2 there. I don't know. <laughs> Who really knows? He could be. be. Um, be so there. personally, I think that the uh, Seahawks are still going to run the football quite a bit. And Zach Charbonnet can do more of the pass protection and pass catching duties that Kenneth Walker wasn't asked to do a bunch. And he, he kind of showed he could a little bit last year. Mm-hmm. They didn't want him to do a ton of it. So I, I still think he's probably RB4 for me. In, in the way that shakes out. Uh, but I can't move him down that much because all of these guys are reliant on a ton of committee backfields. And I think that Zach Charbonnet, even in the backfield with Kenneth Walker, who was our RB1, I don't know if I remember if he was your RB1 last year. I mean, that's the, a really good split for two guys in an, kind of a crowded offense now. It feels really close. They have Geno Smith, three wide receivers, yeah. good wide receivers, and then two running backs that are really good too. So it's tough, man. But I, I think I would have Charbonnet move down from RB3 pre-draft to RB4 post-draft. I like it. I, have my, I think I do have him behind t- Tank Bigsby. Um, <clears throat> I can see. That, I mean, again, that I comes down to his workload. Like if, if right. ETN gets hurt, guess what? Tank Bigsby to the moon. Right. Two of the moon, y'all. Like he's going to be – he's going to be getting volume. And I think they can trust him in the passing game too. So – um, outside of, do you have any other uh, landing spots you didn't like for running backs? Mm, no, not really. I feel like they all went to pretty good places. 
It was like a nice, healthy running back draft besides Zach Charbonnet. Yeah, it just killed me. Hurt. Yeah. It hurt real bad, man. It, hurt me. it cut me real yeah. deep. Seattle was like, we all know that you love Zach Charbonnet. Right. But you want to know what we love? Taking a former <laughs> Michigan player and then a former Michigan State player and having them play on the same yeah. exact team. Yeah. Uh, just, just cut in me deep. So let's get to the wide receivers, y'all. Wide receiver, this was, as we all know, kind of a down year at wide receiver. Comparatively, <laughs> you could argue with a wall, on, in my opinion. It was very easily a down year. I only had one wide receiver with a run, one draft grade, and that was Jackson Smith and Jigba. Um, and I do like his landing spot. I do like his landing spot. He's a natural fit in the spot there. I know people think that he's going to take over Ty, Ty Lockett's role when he eventually maybe maybe moves on, but he's not. He is a pure slot, in my opinion. He's not going to do what Ty Lockett can do because he can't win down the field. Can't. Ty Lockett yeah. is different. He's kind of, yeah. Every year, he's underrated. Every single year, we have the mm-hmm. same conversation. And what does he do? He goes out and he scores five, six deep touchdowns every single year. Stop underrating him. His role, his role is different than Ty, than a, a Jackson with the Jigwas is going to be. And I think he's got more standalone value later down the road. So that's why he was my wide receiver one pre-draft. He came in more of my wide receiver three or four post-draft. Like I had Jordan Addison bumped up to my wide receiver one. He was the best landing spot because he is full, fully functioning wide receiver two in Minnesota. Hallelujah. Give Justin Jefferson some help. Uh, so what do you think, man? Okay, so the I'll say that the first round landing spots are not good, which is unique. Yeah. Usually there's a clear <laughs> need. And it's like the Giants draft a guy in the first round. And we didn't get that. And so this was definitely like it fit what you expected pre-draft as far as the talent. They all landed in like this late first round kind of mush. Um, But none of the teams that like really were in desperate need of a receiver spent highly on one. And so you have all this kind of like gross places to go. So um, yeah, so the way that we have it sorted out is that uh, the Minnesota Vikings uh, pushed Jordan Addison up to wide receiver one, and we mm-hmm. anticipate him getting like a hundred targets. Yeah, um, because that I mean that role that Thielen uh, left, I mean it's high value. So um, Addison is our wide receiver one, and then I mean you can pick your poison between Quentin and uh, Jackson, but currently Quentin is two. Um, we anticipate Mike Williams getting hurt. Uh, not the same with DK or, or Lockett, <laughs> uh, and so. Because of that, I think Quentin's path to uh, volume is easier, plus Herbert uh, and them wanting to throw the ball um, is going to be more – it's not part of the culture uh, like it is in Seattle that we're, they're going to run the ball all the time. So um, yeah. the, the Chargers are built to throw, and so I think Quentin's in a better landing spot there. So um, he's for me, he's two right now. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I, I think that he's going to be used a lot more like CeeDee Lamb honestly I, I he's not the same player obviously they're two different very different players they win differently but you can use them similarly with their yak ability so i, I like the fact that you have him at wide receiver too i mean that's it's fair i don't i don't i don't have any issues with that i, I don't know where i have him right now um i, I think I, I did slide jackson's with the injury down a lot but when you consider landing spot for johnston and the addition of a new Supersized quarterback because we all know that the bazooka that Justin Herbert has is going to be unleashed a little bit more with his new offensive coordinator, yep. fresh out of Dallas, 15 minutes retired from his 
being let go. He was in and on a plane to LA to go help and get whatever Lombardi was doing in LA out of here because that stuff could not. I, I went back. I've been watching more of the, the Chargers last year. That offense was terrible. That offense was so bad. And Justin Herbert was like, I have to, I have to make this work. And it's like you're putting a limiter on this, this Lamborghini, and it's it was awful. They were one of the worst teams on first down last year. Like, just one of the worst. Crazy. And the biggest the biggest weird thing for me was that they went with Johnston and not a, a speed guy. Their offense needs speed. Like, he's yeah. not a burner down the field. And they were just like, nah. We, we got three starters, <laughs> and we're just going to, nah. We're good. I don't <laughs> Excuse me. It doesn't make a ton of sense to me to – to not go with speed, and then I mean, they went all TCU. It's going to be the TCU Chargers uh, here in a few years. Oh, yeah, that's right, yeah. Just pray Justin Herbert doesn't get hurt, y'all. Knock on wood, because you don't want Max Dugan uh, throwing the football to these guys. I promise you that much. Um, I do like Jonathan Mingo's landing spot. I know a lot of people are sure. worried about his raw nature and ability, which again, he's a very inconsistent player. A lot to do with the fact that Ole Miss was just like. We have this Swiss Army knife, but we're going to take all the tools out of this Swiss Army knife and just try to use them all at the same time. And, and that felt like what they were doing with Jonathan Mingo. He was lining up as an inline tight end in the backfield, like all over the place in weird spots. Like just let, let him be a receiver. And he's a really good blocker, so they're using him that way too. But I think that getting a young, talented wide receiver, yak ability, he has speed explosion to pair with Bryce Young is a very good idea. And that's one thing that I think that they can use to to help him. Maybe he can see Jonathan Mingo over his offensive line. We'll, we'll, we'll kind of wait and see. But I do like the landing spot there for him. The coaching staff, I think, are gonna is going to be really helpful as well. So what, do you, what are your thoughts on Jonathan Mingo? Uh, do you, well, do you think he's more talented than Terrace Marshall? From like a like a totality standpoint, yes. But deep threat, Terrace Marshall is should be the starting deep threat in that offense, in my opinion. I think sure, he's yeah. like without him, they don't really have, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, they had DJ Chark from DJ Chark three years ago, maybe. Um, but I think Terrace Marshall is a, a a better version of that now. I mean, Adam Thielen, come on, y'all. Adam Thielen's got to be a wide receiver for that offense. So I think as a to- as a total package wide receiver, Mingo offers more. But from a skill standpoint, his value, I think Ter- Terrace Morse's value, is matters a little bit more in that offense. Yeah, I think Mingo is essentially the LaVisca Chanel upgrade. Okay. Um, and you can feel pretty comfortable about the volume that they're going to want to give him. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, for us, the, well, what's the landing spot He's a yeah ninety five landing spot grade, which bumps him up pretty significantly. Yeah, so, um, he's he's in the in that second tier for us, uh, wide receiver wise. Let's let's talk about it because the a lot of people felt like this was a reach. Uh, Rasheed Rice landing in Kansas City. Um, I, I know your thoughts about his tape before about a few <laughs> months ago. I know I know what you thought about the, the tape. So I wanna I want to hear what what we got now that we've got a little bit more time to process it we got a landing spot now right well so the big thing was uh i tweeted you know i really hope he was injured or something yeah he it, was. Turns, yeah. it turns out that he was right so i went back <laughs> right. and i watched i watched some of the 2021 tape and it was like, it was like way better it's like oh this guy's like uh, you know i can diagnose a guy 
right? Yeah, right. <laughs> like, there's nothing wrong with this dude, right? And then you could go back and be like, yeah, well, okay, all right. He's got a little bit better movement skill um, in 2021. And so that was good to see. Uh, and so there's, I think there's more upside there, right? All of the, he's very super raw still. So it doesn't mm-hmm. really know what he's doing, but again, they're not asking you to know what you're doing at SMU. You're just Dude. running around against <laughs> nobody's and you take any slant to the house, 70 yards or whatever. It's no big deal. But um, as far as Rice goes, yeah. his So his movement skill, um, I think will be better than what we saw in 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, the strategy stuff, uh, I'm not sure how that will work. And so, for me, it's about the fit, and I don't think that, um, you know, you could say, okay, we spent second-round capital, but I don't know why I would prioritize getting him involved in the offense over Kadarius Tony or over Sky Moore because I think mm-hmm. they're both um, more talented but also do kind of shiftier things um, than Rashida's. And so if you – like, I don't know who your, like, ex is, but um, I guess <laughs> – I don't know if Rashida's good enough to play the ex. It's um, it's it's yeah. MBS. You forgot he was there, didn't you? <laughs> right, yeah, I did. Uh, so yeah, I think that that's the the challenges. Um, what's going to force him to be uh, get, to get on the field? Like yeah. there was nothing forcing Sky Moore to get on the field, even though you guys were, I think, kind of desperate for somebody. But there's nothing in Andy Reid's mind. There's nothing pushing Sky Moore into the field. I think it's going to be the same thing with Rashi Rice. So the way that our landing spot grade works is, hey, I run through, I check opportunity, yeah. I check quarterback, all this stuff. So he's over 100, right? It's like, well, oh, great, <laughs> this is this is awesome. Um, but, uh, again, I think it'd probably be the same as every other Kansas City second-round pick. Yeah, I think that's – I wish people would have listened to us more last year. I was trying – I was cautioning everybody. You, Y'all don't. Yeah. <laughs> Just, you stop it with the Sky Moore stuff. Yeah, like, he's a really rookie great. in Andy yeah. Reid's offense. You yeah. needed to take a chill pill. And there were yeah. some of you – that did not do that, and you just yeah. you kept doing it. All right, but we got to do the same thing here. I think Rasheed Rice starts the season as wide receiver four on this in Kansas City, but he's going to do a little bit of what Juju Smith-Schuster did—the back shoulder throws that Mahomes was starting to kind of dip his toes into last year with Juju, and he he does offer more yak ability than Juju Smith-Schuster does. I think that eventually that is the role you want for him—a guy who plays more of a Z and and X position for you. Maybe after next year, when you move on, excuse me, from MVS, he takes over some of those abilities too. Because again, when we did, I did my film review for us, that was before I knew about the injury. So I'm, I'm like, mm-hmm. this dude's like, he shows so many flashes of the, the brilliant, tough catches. And then you're like, what the hell are you doing? Like, it yeah. doesn't make a whole lot of sense. His, his tape was so, was so up and so down and so erratic. And I was just like, I don't know what to think about this guy. Like you can see the flashes. And like, there was this one play that I remember in my head where he's, he catches the ball on a, sw- just a swing screen and he spins out of three tackles out of three separate tackles. Just he's go, got a nice spin, 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 spin. And I'm just yeah. like, so where is this? Where is this, right. this, this, this lateral explosion? Why is sometimes you, why are sometimes you have this slant where it looks beautiful. And sometimes you're like running through molasses. Now we know he had a foot injury. So it all makes sense if you're feeling if your foot's feeling good. This play, you're like, yeah, I can I can get this. And the next play, you're like, damn, I should have not have done that. I should have done that. <laughs> it's too much, right? It's just like, damn it, I couldn't have, shouldn't have done that. So yeah, I think that healthy, being healthy, you're gonna see him make some plays in Kansas City. But just don't don't sell the farm in fantasy this year, y'all. Don't do it. Don't draft him in the second round of your you know 
or sorry, the first round of your rookie draft. Don't be doing that kind of stuff. Just, just wait, especially in a startup. Don't overdraft these kind of guys. You got to wait. I think Sky Moore is still going to have some growing pains, which, you know, we'll have time to talk about that at some point throughout the off season. But is there anybody else in, in your, maybe more of a day three guy that you really like the landing spot for? Oh, uh, well, Tank Dell. I think he's in a great spot. Oh, yes. That depth chart's pretty thin, and uh, he's a great fit. So even if it's Nico and Mechie, Tank will have a role. Mm-hmm. And so that's very clean. I think that Love he's, it. he's rated highly. He's 95 for us. Uh, and then uh, Boutet. Um, yeah. That's also a good depth chart to be involved in. <laughs> I mean, Anytime you can be in a Patriots death chart, yeah, man. Yeah, like I mean, second, I had a second round grade on him, and so, you know what? Let's let's go. So for me, yeah, right? um, he's so as far as our rankings go, he he's gonna end up after Tank Dell, but he's right mm-hmm. there on the cusp. And so, um, that yeah, uh, like to to say this sixth rounder, we have him graded up with the third rounders. That's that's a big jump. Um, so I'm I'm excited about Keishon Boutte still. Uh, mm. A.T. Perry went to a, a decent spot too. I'm not I'm man not upset about that. You know, <laughs> it, it, he just went so much later than I expected. But then yeah. you know we get some some character concern things that leak out after the draft. Oh, really? I didn't hear that. What was that about? Yeah, uh, I, I heard from someone that he had some character concern issues. That's the only reason he fell down to the sixth round. So um, that's all well, I can say. Wheels up then. Yeah, wheels up. Once you're on your team, who cares? That depth chart is it, it's not good outside of Chris Olave. Who is keeping him from starting? Michael Thomas's foot? Right, yeah. I don't know. I, I'm just saying that there's wheels up there. Like that could be fun. Uh, that's all I can say. Um, there's a couple spots that I wasn't a huge fan of. Cedric Tillman kind of broke my heart. Um uh, I like I mean, I like him being paired with Deshaun Watson of three years ago. I mean, I think that that's a perfect, a perfect landing spot for him, but I, I don't know if he's going to be one utilized properly because wide receivers don't necessarily produce a ton in, in Cleveland and they're more concerned with running the football, but this year kind of feels like maybe they want to do that. I think Amar Cooper is still going to be the alpha. There's one wide receiver you want in Cleveland and it's Amari Cooper. And second, I think it's Elijah Moore. I don't think that Cedric Tillman can come in and just kind of be a, an impactful guy even later because it seems like they're set up for the future. So I wasn't a huge fan of Tillman's landing spot. Uh, let's see here. Trey Palmer. I was like, get this speed guy somewhere where he can play on a team. And Tampa Bay right now is not a real offense. Um, they're going to be run by Baker Mayfield. And so that one was not fun to, to watch. Um, I've been yeah. I've been trying to trade Mike Evans for the last five years. <laughs> and it's been impossible to trade him for the last five years. It makes no he, sense. And then he won me a championship. And so I'm like, you know, that, like when he had 300 yards or something. Like that, like yeah. 50, 50 points. I'm like, oh, you know, it's worth it, Mike. Thanks, man. And that's it. I'll never, like, I might as well just cut him. You may as well. I mean, you're not getting anything out of this guy anymore. <laughs> but I'll, I'll, I, won't, I won't forget you, Mike. So, uh, real, real quick, how do you feel about Jalen Hyatt in the in New York with the 10,000 other uh, slot receivers they have? Um, They need somebody to be a deep threat. Yeah. Alongside Slayton. So, I think Slayton's better. 
I was about to say, are, are we sure that Jalen Hyatt's better than Darius Slayton? Because I'm not so no, sure about that. No, I think Darius Slayton's better. But, uh, you know, I, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, uh, yeah, it, it's exactly that. There's good opportunity, whatever. I just don't think he's talented enough to really take advantage. And so he'll get his, like, oh, we really did, we did all, we did all, every post wheel concept we can run at, in Tennessee. And he scored a yeah. big long touchdown. And you're going to get that, you know, maybe. Uh, every four games or so, and then they'll be, you know, great for DFS. Um, but yeah, I'm not really investing um, or looking yeah. to invest at his current price tag. Um, I feel like people forgot Wendell Robinson is still there. Like he was drafted by the yeah. Giants last year. Like he's still right. there. Um, people forget. So yeah, I'm, I'm kind of burning that torch. I was not, you know, we weren't Jalen Hyatt stands like. We've been out against Jalen Hyatt for quite a while. I, I'm yeah. proud of the NFL for drafting him in the third round. Me too. Had a third second. round great out. Well, we talked about we talked about how if you ran a four two whatever right, which yeah. he never thought he would. But if you ran a four yeah. two, then it'd be like, oh yeah, for sure. But first lost, round, he, yeah. He lost himself a bunch of money by running that four four up, uh, which you know the NFL. I think it's like it's like you have your goggles on, and then when the guy a player doesn't run. You know, whatever you think he's going to run, then all, like, time. then all of a sudden you're like, oh, wait, like, <laughs> he really wasn't that good. Mm, uh, yeah. I think that's what it was for them. So, I, I, oh. hey, good job. Right. You guys, you, you showed some composure. We appreciate it yes, for, right, for yeah. confirming our, our priors there. Uh, let's click over to tight end real quick um, before we get on out of here with some underrated landing spots. Tight end was said to be one of the most. I mean, one of the most talented in this entire, what, the last, what, how many years it's been since tight ends have been good? <laughs> this is one of the best, it's supposed to be one of the best uh, tight end classes in years. Yeah, George and Kittle, David Njoku, probably since that class. So Probably, that was. yeah. That was um, O.J. Howard. Yeah, well. Look, I think it's 2017, it up, OJ. 2018. Um, Something like that. It's close. Um, as far as the capital invested, it's about to Yeah. So, there's I'm gonna we're gonna talk about the Packers in a minute. We're gonna save that for a little bit later. But first I want to hear one of your favorite uh, landing spots that is not the Packers. I think that Sam Laporta going to the Lions is fun. Okay. Uh, mostly because it was like, hey, I think he's really talented. And then, and then the NFL confirmed it, and I'm proud of that. And I think to fill the Hawkinson role is a good place to be um and i think he could be as talented as hawkinson but is he filling the hawkinson role because hawkinson plays in line he still plays in line um he can play in line well my, he's gonna play question. over the middle of the field and get the ball <laughs> okay my Along, question alongside as a secondary option to monitor state brown <laughs> How's that? that's my thing <laughs> i think sam laporta is what everyone wants, I mean, it's basically what the Lions have in Alan Ross St. Brown. Yeah. That's what he is. And, uh, well, and I that, think that's fine. I think Sam will play in line. I think he's, I don't. Yeah, I, I think he can block. I don't think he can block. Mm. Who's uh, the other guy there? There's, I mean, Brock Wright, uh, James Mitchell. Like, there's not very <laughs> much competition to tight end. <laughs> there. He'll be okay. But he can't really block, in my opinion. And <laughs> when you're 245 pounds, a little bit difficult but i we'll see i hope he i hope he succeeds i don't want i don't want these guys not to i think my favorite landing spot is luke schoonmaker 
uh, to Dallas. Yeah, yeah. They have a bunch of like no name, forty five tight ends like Jake yeah. Ferguson, and there's a, a another one out of Indiana. I think that they have there too. Um, Peyton Hendershot. Yes. These, these kind of yeah, like they have these guys there. I think Luke Schoonmaker is not only going to be coming in and taking over the Dalton Kincaid role because he can actually block. I think he's a much more can be a much more nuanced route runner with some development. Obviously, he's not the route runner that San Laporta is, but I think that he's got the tools to do it. He's also gigantic, um, and. and we, we know Dak Prescott likes to find himself a reliable tight end. And if you, you do that with, with Dak, you're going to find yourself scoring touchdowns and being in a position to to score. And when you're you know on an offense that is still searching for that number two receiver, I think that that's a good place to start for a young guy who's just big and was kind of almost always open at Michigan last year. So uh, I, I like that landing spot quite a bit. Um, everyone fawns over Dalton Kincaid's landing spot, and that's fine. Josh Allen's a fun quarterback to have throwing the football. Um, I'm very upset about Michael Mayer's landing spot. Oh, really? uh, it hurts. It hurts. Hmm. Because the Raiders are going to be a dumpster fire. A just straight dumpster fire. I don't think Josh McDaniels survives the year. I think he gets fired at some point. And I mean, Jimmy, you can count Jimmy G in for what? five, six games before he gets hurt. And we already have a glowing recommendation from Devontae Adams about their quarterback, which oh, we yeah. just found out about today. Um, I'm not sold about what's going on with the offense in Las Vegas. And I feel bad because you know, Michael Mayer was my, my, my tight end one. I wanted better for him. I wanted him to end up in Dallas, but he didn't. Yeah. You liked him that much. Yeah. He was my only tight end with a run one grade. Wow. Hey, yeah, I don't mind that. Uh, I, I think it's a great spot for him because even if they're bad, he's still the guy. He's not the guy. He's not the guy because Devontae Adams is there. Devontae Adams is getting 180 targets. And Hunter Renfro is getting 100-plus targets. Like, I don't know. And, and plus, again, if it is Jimmy G, who else is going to be throwing him the football? I don't know, man. I, Jimmy I'm G, upset. Jimmy G is going to target Michael Mayer and all the nice play-action plays. If he does, be great, I'll be man. happy. I'll be happy, okay? I don't great. have trust in him. I have zero trust in, in Jimmy G to get the job done to my guy, especially because he's going to be told to force fate, to force feed Do- uh, Devontae Adams. No, they're so, going to be like, we got, we got baby Gronk. Josh, <laughs> Jimmy, we're all back together. Patriots West, we got baby Gronk, 10 touchdowns. You're, you're gonna love it. I okay, so that's the only <laughs> other possibility here is that he's just like, wait a second, yeah, you know, I worked with this guy, or at least in this I've offense, this. I, yeah. I've done this before, and There's I can, I can figure this out. I'm yeah. just that's the thing that gives me hope, but I, I'm more worried again that Josh McDaniels doesn't survive. I think he might get fired at the end of this year, quite seriously. The defense is a dumpster fire, it, it's yeah. bad, yeah. their defense is so bad, mm-hmm. and they're gonna get. You know, run train. I don't know. I'll buy it. every offense in the AFC West. Every single one of them. I think even the Denver Broncos are going to run train on them. But it's it's, it's tough. I, I'm I hope you're right. I do. I hope you're right because Baby Gronk is is my guy, and I want him to succeed very very badly. Give me one underrated landing spot from any of these players um, that we haven't talked about. 
Okay. How about? Well, I think we need to talk about Josh Downs and get your opinion on, on oh, the, sure. the status is there because he, I mean, again, highly rated by us, both of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, yeah, we didn't really touch on him yet. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, while you're telling me about Josh Downs, I'll scroll through the list. Yeah. Great. So <clears throat> I think that this was a another one of those great young quarterback, young wide receiver, and the young wide receiver room positions because. I also believe that he can play a little bit of Z. I don't think he's yeah. just a slot only player. The release packages, the hand usage, tell me that he can do those things at the next level. Obviously, you don't want him playing Z 90% of the time. No, you want him in the slot like 75% of the time. That's what he's going to do well. And it's a beautiful blend of skyscrapers that they have. Tight ends over 6'5". Their wide receivers are like 6'3 and, and above. On the outside, and then you have Josh Downs, 510, 5'9, 5'8, just in the slot. I think it's a really good place, excuse me, for him to be and a guy who's going to get it open quickly. And I think he's going to develop a very good relationship with Anthony Richardson, who also is probably going to want to get the ball out quickly, but he's going to make their five wide offense extremely impactful, where you can have, again, these big physical wide receivers on the outside, and then you have you know, him in the slot, who's going to stay healthy. He plays bigger than he is. And I like the landing spot for him. Again, the offense is going to be good with Shane Steichen. And I think that he's going to play a little bit of the Devontae, excuse me, um, Devontae Smith role that he, mm. you know, from Philadelphia. I think you can have him do some of those things. We know he's a good route runner. He, he kind of mirrors a little bit of what Devontae Smith does in terms of getting open all the time and he plays bigger than he is too so i'm i'm a fan of the fit and what he's going to be able to do and unlocking a little bit of anthony richardson yeah it feels like a long-term investment Mm -hmm. like you know Mm -hmm. first year i would expect almost nothing um but by year three he could be you know a useful wide receiver too maybe don't Um, tell my best ball teams that well yeah (laughs) but for now he's the next greg ward jr so hey (laughs) um but yeah, uh, let me see. So uh, we have to talk about Jaden Reed. I we do. That, I was gonna. I was gonna say Green Bay. We didn't. Guy. We didn't get to Green Bay. Green yeah. Bay is a. Uh, oh man, Green Bay. Green Bay. What are we gonna do with you? Uh, this was. This one of my most head scratching drafts. You, you draft two tight ends in the second round. You draft two of them. Did you guys not learn your lesson? Yeah, they. Kunst loves, just this like cluster drafting of I'm going to get all of the players that I forgot to get for four years. <laughs> and I'm going to do it all right now. Um, but he did it with Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, and that's out of order. Jamal Williams in the fourth round, yeah. Aaron Jones in the fifth, and then Devonta Mays in the seventh round of the 2017 draft. And it was like, Hey, I'm just, I'm looking for a running back. Who wants yeah. to play running back? And Right. And that was like his first, I think his first year drafting. Um, and he's, you know, clearly he's done it again with receivers, three receivers yep. and then two tight ends. Um, Cause they're just looking for guys who can play. Um, so in that sense uh, for me, I think Jaden Reed is the most talented or he was yep. the highest grade. Um, he had a higher grade, film grade for me than Christian Watson did last year. Um, so as far as Jaden Reed getting involved and having a role, I think he'll be able to do that. Um I don't know how valuable that is with Jordan Love, mm, yeah. but as far as it there being some volume there, uh, I w- I'm willing to invest in Jaden Reed. Yeah, Jaden Reed was I, I had a better grade 
for a read than Marvin Mims, than A.T. Perry, yeah. um, than, you know, Butte, than, yeah, a lot of these guys out here. So he was one of I my favorite. Huh? Yeah, it, not I by know. much. Like, we're talking about, like, 0. 0.4. Like, it wasn't much. Um, but That's, I, good. I think That's good. That, <clears throat> yeah, I think that, that just the way he runs his routes are what separates him. I think he's automatically – he's already the best route runner in Green Bay. He's already the best. Oh, yeah, of those two guys, like he's yeah. going to come in, and yeah. I think he's going to supplant Dobbs as the wide receiver two in that offense in terms of where the they're going to funnel targets to, yeah. because that's how good he is. I think he complements Christian Watson extremely well. You have this very raw downfield threat who's really good in space, and then you have Jaden Reed who just knows how to get open. He he just he understands the wide receiver position better than any wide receiver in green Bay right now. There's zero argument in my mind that he is. So I think it's a great spot for him because again, when you have younger quarterbacks that are trying to find these guys, they can trust. You can't trust Christian Watson. You can't, I'm doing a review on him right now. You cannot trust that guy to be in the spot where you're going to be. I, I watch Aaron Rodgers. Like he had to have gotten in his ass at some point in the sideline in that in that Dallas game because he's throwing the ball where he wants him to be. And every time Christian Watson is not looking for the football, he's not breaking properly and he's in the wrong spot. And then finally he was like, all right, I'm going to wait for you to get open. And then I'm going to start throwing you the football. So Christian Watson plays a little bit on his own timetable. And with a quarterback, that's not where you want to be because football is about timing. Go watch Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. Just, just go watch them. They're a timing, like they're a they're a damn grandfather clock. It's always where it needs to be, almost at the exact time it needs to be. And that's why Cole Harmon didn't work. He didn't know where to be on the field when he needed to be on the field. And Patrick's like, dude, you're basically going to be a, a a scheme touch guy now. And that's what he was when he last year and the year before. So. If you can't be where you're supposed to be on the field when you need to you need to be there, quarterbacks can't trust you. And Jordan Love is going to be trying to find a player to trust. Jaden Reed is a guy you can trust right now. You know, we're 40 or 54 minutes into this, and my voice is finally starting to calm down. Oh, well, it's, it's Jaden Reed time. That's why. <laughs> yeah, right? We got to talk about my guy. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, he's uh, it's a fun spot because, again, there's no guarantees for volume, I think, except Christian Watson. I think Christian Watson is going to get his targets because he is that good of a playmaker. He's going to get those deep targets, those valuable ones. Jaden Reed's going to move the ball. He's going to get PPR points. He's going to be a guy, I think, that is going to help move this offense and and, and kind of just be more of the, we'll wait until we hit the big play. And so, Jaden, here you go. Like the Sammy Watkins of old, like when he used to be able to move the ball down the field. Mm. I, I, I think that kind of play style meshes well. So it's a good a good spot for him. But can, they drafted two tight ends, Tucker Craft and Luke, and, and, uh, and, uh, Luke Musgrave, right? Those two guys. Neither one of them is like a blocking tight end. I, Tucker Craft can block a little bit more, but they're they're definitely more strictly receiving tight ends. And I mean Musgrave, I don't know what he is. He drops the ball almost as much as Christian Watson does. He does not create a ton of separation. He's the most um, overrated, but weirdly hyped guy that I, yes. I can remember in a while. Like watching him at the senior bowl, I'm like, okay, he he can move all right, but he does not know how to track the football. No, he's he tough after the catch. <laughs> He's not tough. 
Tucker Craft is way better. Oh, I, yeah. I, I was a big Tucker Craft fan. I think I had him at tight end four in this class. I was big oh, on, oh, on Craft. So, big. yeah, I had a, a day two grade on him. And then, you know, he did go day two. But after Luke Musgrave, I was just so confused at what their plan is. They have a one-year deal with Jordan Love. And then they're like, we don't know what our quarterback situation is after, but they're just going to throw stuff at the positions. I don't you're just a poorly run franchise. <laughs> they, really, they really are. Yeah. Um, one guy I want your opinion on before we get out of here, Marvin Mims landing in Denver. Uh, Sean Payton, Kenny Stills. Oh, yeah. yeah. Kenny Stills, huh? That's my uh, that's my take. All right. I Kenny mean, Stills. that's a good take. That's yeah. a good take. I think that's about as effective as he can be, too. That's yeah. the kind of thing I think about Marvin Mims. Yeah. So, yeah. I like it. I like it a lot. All right. Yeah. I like Marv's. I like Marv's talent. I think he's fun, like kind of weird, uncanny good at like post catch stuff. Uh, and so even though like statistically it's probably not very exciting, um, he does like weird things where it's like, oh, that was a unique way of reaching the ball across the end zone or different things like that. So um, yeah, yeah, I think he's fun. And, and those kinds of players that have like kind of weird ticks about them, um, mm-hmm. they end up kind of cropping up and. and making plays on the field. So, um, yeah, Kenny Stills is the vibe I get from him as far as his role. Uh, and then – so uh, are we good on Marvin Mims? I got uh, the last question for you if you're ready. Yeah, sure. We're good, so we're good. last question would be uh, where is Jaden Reed in the rankings in relationship to all the other guys? Rishi Rice. Yeah. Well uh, – Josh Downs. The, the problem for me – comes with the quarterback situation. Like, right. uh, the, I don't like the landing spot with the team that's, you know, fundamentally mm-hmm. coaching and the quarterback situation is very murky. Um, I don't think Jordan Love's a good quarterback, and I think we're all going to find that out very soon next year when he doesn't win games. I just – I don't think they're going to win very many games, and maybe I'm too – you know, a two head in the dirt on that, but a Jaden Reed in terms of, like I said, I do, I do believe he's going to be the wide receiver too. So you figure Quentin Johnston's probably the wide receiver three and he's going to get some scheme touches, but he is the wide receiver three. Um, I would still probably have him over, over Jaden Reed. Um, so if we go down, so I would I'll Addison in Jigba flowers, Johnston, Reed will be above downs. Reed will be above downs. Okay. I think that, that he'd be right after um, uh, right after Johnston. I think that he's going to be on the field regularly, routinely, and the wide receiver too in that offense. So in terms of his landing spot, helping him get to you know relevance earlier than a guy like Josh Downs or you know Marvin Mims, A.T. Perry, Rasheed Rice, I think that that bumps him up to wide receiver, what, five in this class for me? Yeah, ahead of that. or behind Mingo. Yeah, oh, he'd be ahead of Mingo. Ahead of Mingo. Okay, well, there you go. I think that's yeah. the uh, that was the last guy that was. Yeah, it, it's question. Mingo's a tough one because they do have. I think that uh, you know the coaching staff in Carolina will still want to play the the veterans. I still think Adam Thielen and DJ Chark are going to play, and, mm-hmm. and that that's the the problem for me is I don't know if you could say Romeo Dubs is playing a ton. <laughs> I mean, he was not that great. He wasn't great coming out of Nevada. He he was a kind of a deep ball receiver with some contested catchability, but he didn't run a ton of great routes and didn't separate very well. 
So you can't just slot him in as the wide receiver two and run with it. I think you can say very, very clearly early on that Jaden Reed has a very good shot at being the wide receiver two in Green Bay. And you can't say that about uh, Jonathan Mingo. So, yeah, right there, right there in front of these guys. I like it. That's high in relationship to ADP, and that I think that is a good thing. I think hey, hey, we got we got to we got to have a right, little bit of difference. No, I think it's the right play. Yeah, you got to find ways to to maximize on the volume that you expect the guys get. Again, what being a wide receiver two in an offense helps you get immediate production as a rookie. It, it does, yeah. and being a trustworthy player does that too. So I, I'm that's why I think Addison is my is my wide receiver one. Obviously, if any of these guys would have been there with Justin Jefferson, they probably would have been a wide receiver one. Almost any of these guys, I would have been like, yeah, I'm taking this guy in front of everybody else. So yeah, Jaden Reed. Yeah, Jaden Reed's a, a a good a good a good spot for him to to immediately come in and and have some production. But what if it's the the Green Bay Packers getting Drake May next year? Then it's a great landing spot. It's a great landing spot. Uh, <laughs> I mean, if the Green Bay Packers are that bad, then yeah. they, whew, well, we do they have a reason to be good? I mean, could I don't can they get you can they even get the Drake man? I don't even know. I, I, I still think that their defense is good enough to win four or five games. Wow. And the well, Texans yeah. let, let, let's stream. Let's stream for the sake of Jaden Reed. I would love oh man, just <laughs> I, I'm telling you, I'd love it. I would love it. Maybe they just go to full full on tank. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, I would love to get him Drake May and hell, even JJ McCarthy. I don't care. Get him a quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like JJ, man. Just yeah, me. Me yeah. Oh, I'm all in. Jay all Reed. right, man. Thank you. Thanks so much for, for coming on. And, you know, we're an hour in. I finally feel like I could talk and have a conversation. So, oh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hopefully, the, hopefully the audio for you guys isn't so bad in that first half an hour. I apologize once again for my voice. But uh, Jetpack, again, let everyone know where they can find you, what we're doing next, man. Yeah, uh, you can go to ffastronauts.com and check out the rookie guide. Um, the next thing that we're working on project-wise is – uh, with the film subscription is that I'll be doing film review of the 2022 wide receiver class. So just looking at the rookies, um, seeing how they perform throughout the season. And then I'll, I'm practicing a little bit of charting, seeing how that goes. Uh, and then we'll maybe put a charting team together to run that through uh, as we're scouting. Um, so yeah, a lot of new stuff as far as the film subscription goes. So that will be on the way beginning really this next week. So uh, look forward to that on ffastronauts.com. Awesome. Awesome. Again, you guys can find me on Twitter at inharmsway19. I do all my fantasy content there and fantasyfootballastros.com along with this podcast. rgrfootball.com for all my Chiefs-centric stuff. I actually have a Sky Moore piece dropping today, Wednesday, mm. when this podcast drops. So you guys Can't should wait. all be interested in that as, as everyone in the fantasy community, I am sure, is waiting on pins and needles for that to come out. But yeah, you guys, fantastic. Thank you all so much for joining us this evening or whenever you're you're listening to this and you have a great time we'll see you guys next time this is i almost screwed that up we're gonna edit edit that out you did great (laughs) this is the fantasy football astronauts podcast and we are blasting off once again we'll see you guys next time